Welcome to the Dig Endurance Podcast, where we are all about digging deep and discovering the power of emotional resilience. I'm Aaron, and I'm joined by my brother, Sean. As endurance athletes and business owners, we have learned a thing or two about facing and overcoming adversity. We are here to share inspiring stories from our guests that will help you to find that inner strength when you feel like you are running on empty. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hey everyone, welcome back. Dig Podcast. We have a really good guest today. We've got David Adams. David has a long rap sheet. We've got Ironmans, marathons, half marathons. Um, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you say what you've done. But David, thanks for being with us here today with Aaron and I. We are very excited to hear your story. I know we've chatted a little bit about um, some of the stuff you experienced when you were younger. Um, you know, I... I just want to dive right in. Um, give us a little background, you know, family, married, kids. Um, were you born and raised here in Fresno? And then let's um, let's kind of talk about your life. Oh, hey, thank you guys for having me. Um, just a little bit about me. Um, not married, but I have three kids. Okay. Um, two, two ex-wives, but hey, that's another story I'm Got telling it, you. Um, I grew up here in Fresno, but not ultimately say grew up here in fresno i mean i was born here and then uh right when i was six uh was ultimately in texas oh, cool. so crazy transition but from there that's when i want to say ultimately my life took a really crazy turn i mean i, I was in foster home taken away from my biological mother oh, wow. um and so i ended up in foster the foster system i mean 14 different homes i was in texas madera tahoe uh, I was just basically bounced around completely um, through my whole life. I mean, so even, these foster homes were in ta- uh, different places, like different that? different aspects of wow. the country. And that's um, from like ages how old to like how old? I mean, it's from like five to six to about maybe seventeen, and I started raising myself on the streets. So basically, your whole childhood you're in foster homes. Yeah. Oh, wow. But and then a lot of the stuff that uh, I endured in those homes, you know, uh, when you hear foster homes people hear great like oh you know what you're in a foster home people took care of you people loved you mm. you know you have different but there was a reason why it was 7 14 why you leave left here why you you know there and uh it's, it's a great testimony to my life story what leads up to why i become this endurance athlete you know um and some of the and some of the stuff that i endured you know, um, and you wouldn't know it from by seeing me from me walking through the door, you know, um, some of the stuff that was, um, I was mentally, physically abused, you know, um, can you imagine just sitting there and just because somebody felt like they wanted to lash out to somebody and and just getting punched in the face and, um, thrown across the floor and, you know, just certain aspects of that, you know, one of the foster homes, um, Maybe this be a little too much, but a lot of people don't know. Um, I was raped. I mean, I was Goodness. six, seven years old, and Jeez. a lot of people don't really understand how long it took to share some stuff like that. Because, like, when you're in a foster home, you're a kid. You're supposed to have this persona of a great home, but but it's not, you know. But what happens behind closed doors, nobody really sees. And as a, for a long time. Um, I was ashamed, you know, to even mention or even be a be a kid, 
you know so um ultimately it just created who i was today and who i am today i mean that's just a little bit that's a lot i mean so what and, and what what so i mean and at what point you said you went you know you ended up on the streets i mean so obviously you've had some really hard experiences through the foster system and and you know unfortunate experiences but when were you able to break out and go on your own when was when was that what was that point i want to say maybe 15 16 17 uh-huh. somewhere around there i mean when when you're traumatized with so much stuff you know you kind of lose track of time yeah um where were you i was here i came back you here i ended up came back coming back to fresno uh-huh. and um it wasn't like i'm gonna go and it's basically i ran i i try to like as run as far as i can you can ultimately say that was my first running event <laughs> <laughs> that's how you found it right huh? i mean it was just you go and and don't look back and yeah. um you find that inner that inner strength to say you know what today's enough you know no matter what it looks like or what how dark it looks out there uh you're gonna find a way to survive you know and that's whether it's going to be um in abandoned houses or friends' houses, or uh, um, cousins' houses. What, what or was the final breaking point? Like, what was it? it? Finally, I mean, just finally clicked. Like, I got to get out of this. I can't do this anymore. I mean, was that? What was it? You know. It honestly, honestly, it, it, it had a, it had a bit of come a time where emotionally and like will and worth, like I was tired of being beat. You know, I was just tired and just like a, a light of me was just like, go done, done, go, yeah. don't come back. Don't yeah. no matter. Uh, Nothing's worse than this, basically. Right. So what exactly? What, so what does it matter? I mean, they can yeah. threaten you. They can, they can just tell you, hey, you ever decide to leave? We'll call uh, the organization and have you pull back. We'll put you in another home or, you know, you become this. You'll end up in the juvenile hall because cops are going to be looking for you. Ultimately, I, I didn't care no more. I'm just gone. Hmm. Like, I'm just gone. So. And again, yeah, you're right. It wasn't what was out there. It was, was going to scare me. It was staying there. Sure. It was going to I terrify me. Yeah. So, so where'd you go? First, first yeah. uh, half a year, it was abandoned houses. Yeah, wow. It was. Um, I can remember staying at some houses off of um, like Tulare and Chestnut area. Um, and I used to go and um, you can see like they're remodeling. And I'm like, okay, that's the house tonight. You know, um, in the morning, I would wake up to people trying to come in the door and I was just out the door. Whoa. <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm gonna get caught in somebody else's house. And But it was just an instinct of survival. Yeah. Just trying to survive uh, the whole me, you know? So um, what'd you do? Like, I mean, were you, were you working <coughs> at that time? I mean, what'd you do? Like, how'd you, how'd you feed yourself, you know? Um, ultimately, like, um, it's like when you went to friends' houses, they would eat, hey, you want some? Yeah. Um, remember the old uh, telephones? Or you had like the, the yeah, quarters phones, in there. I yeah. would go and look in the little things or hit the little button and make sure something popped out. Um, I remember like saving up for honey buns. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Finding yeah. like pennies and stuff on the floor because they're like 35 cents. So I was like, I'm going to walk into the store and just get it like this. So it was different aspects of that that actually made me like had helped me survive, you wow. know. And nobody would have known at the time because like even when I went to a friend's house, hey, can I wash up? Hey, can I take a shower? Just a backpack, you know. Um, so you learn, you adapt. Yeah. What was your relationship like when you were going through the foster homes with your parents? I know you said you were separated from them at a young age, placed in the foster system. Did you ever come in contact with them? Did they attempt to, or did you want to? What, what was the relationship like? Um, ultimately my biological mom, she stayed away. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I know through some foster systems, um, she tried to make contact, uh-huh. but protecting themselves, they kept they kept her away. You know, they're not they're not here right now, or they're like um, he's you know you can't contact them. So I didn't even find out that any of that until years and years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I was like 28 and I was able to establish, um, a relationship with my biological mother, but then that was short lived because a year later she died. So you're dealing with like that. So I'm trying to build that and then having something taken away. Also probably, I mean, a good thing you got to reconnect with her, I guess, and rekindle that at least before she passed away. That's a good thing. That's good. Remove some question marks. What, what, um, (laughs) So when did it go from abandoned house, abandoned house, or friend's house, friend's house? When were you able to kind of get on your feet a little bit? Or did that point ever come, you know, for a while, I guess? It didn't come for a while. I mean, I found myself um, struggling with stuff, you know, uh, ultimately selling. You know, I, was, I became a, a small-time dealer here or ended up going up to a big-time dealer. And then, you know, of course, I ended up meeting my first ex-wife and then that's when everything started to connect but i was still running stuff here in town ultimately you know i had a crew that was working for me i was just ultimately doing a lot of things here um and then i you know i of course living that life you know you, you get jumped you get robbed and stuff like that so it was just basically for me and it's hard even now to even go back to it because it's like what i was doing now that i know it was wasn't bad but it, ultimately i was just trying to survive mm-hmm. um and then like a lot of the stuff that i was doing it kind of put me like really at risk and then um when i was starting to when my my first ex-wife she was born with my son um it, it kind of went to he was born and then ultimately i ended up getting locked up um and then i was it was looking at that that jail cell and looking out i was like no it's enough like i cannot continue to raise my son like that locked up for selling no actually i had a really bad temper so it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a fit yep. of five is they came to my house and i was like and it hit him across the head with a baseball bat and i was ended up doing some serious time yeah for that how here long? in fresno here in fresno how long i was looking at maybe 15 20. oh wow um but at that point in time it was like no this is not i can really say honestly like it was kind of like a, a blessing, but not because who gets off on stuff like that? You know, who who says ultimately like um, you don't get off, you know, on hurting somebody like that, you right. know? So um, it wasn't until that moment where I felt like, you know what, it's time for me. And I didn't get off easy. I mean, I still had to do almost 380 hours of community service. I had to pay for every single bit of that. Uh, of course, anger management classes came with it. <laughs> And that was pretty penny. I mean, did you still have to go to, to prison as well, or no? No, they actually voided that whole thing. Oh wow, wow. Um, and and again, I I say that maybe that life wasn't for me, because everything that came into suit of that was a lawyer stepped in and was like, "Hey, I'll take his case pro bono. Let me, you know, he heard my backstory. He heard he heard my rough upbringing." Uh, but I even told lawyer, "I'm not using that as an excuse." But it really comes down to how we and this is what i tell my oldest son i said i had to raise myself teach myself how to be a father and a man while raising 
you to be a better man. Hmm. It's a lot. So it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. So well, how, and, and then the people on top, I mean, yeah, the people that you were supposed to be trusted to, to be pseudo parents were abusing you. I mean, you know, and so you have to, it's, it's not, not only did you never get that, you were also like mistreated on top of that. So, I mean, like that is, yeah, that's a lot to unpack. Um, so, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say kind of along what you were saying, I mean, managing a traumatic upbringing, the, the parents are absent. And so now you're wanting to be a, a better father or the best father you can be. What guided you on that? Because, you know, so, some of these things are heavy factors in how you implement being a father. So what, what are you looking after? What are you, what, what was your go-to on like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to implement. You know, this, you know, obviously you have that hard inside to you cause you've been out there, you, you know, you've seen some dark places. How are you going to transform that into the light that you're going to show your son? Um, a lot of that I, I had to, before I even started all that, I had to make closure with my biological father because ultimately it was a, it was a life pattern honestly his biological father left him when he was a kid and then my biological father left me when i was a kid but he also endured a lot of abuse within the family so he should be and when they say kids don't know or kids do not see they do oh, totally. when you're three four years old you're just looking at your mother like what is that big old black thing on your eye? I mean, that's why we joke, right? <laughs> when our kids do something, I watch his kids. They do what he do. Watch my kids. And, and our wives say the same thing. Like, oh, no, that's why. Mm. You know why. <laughs> I mean, right? That's across the board. And it is. And so, <laughs> and so for me to, to close that circle, I had to make peace at, because you, when you, your biological father dis, disowns you, you're dead to me. You're not my son. What you do is not what I do and and he comes from a life of gangs and um, drugs and stuff like that so I had to close that door in order to seal that cycle and have my my boys be different um, so that was where I ultimately started and I was like you know what I cannot have them be like this I had I have to show them a different way and so that ultimately that was started the light I mean I had to turn away from a lot of stuff that I did before. And ultimately, when they say when you turn your back on a lot of it, you, you're labeled as something different. You know, you're, you're oh, you, you left the thing, you yeah. did this. You're, not, you're just labeled different. And that was for years. I didn't really care. I mean, I don't care. I run into somebody today and they were like, oh, you left this and you're that. You're, you're labeled as this. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> care. I'm still alive. I'm still out here. I'm still not locked up. I'm still raising my kids, and I'm I'm an active member in their lives. I mean, you're um, still trying. I mean, for if, no, if nothing else, I mean, you had, in my view, you had plenty of reasons to throw in the towel or, or to you know pr pr pursue a wrong course. I mean, I think it's just worth. I mean, at least you're making the effort, you know. Um, so if you're okay, so you ended up doing community service, like for when this when that situation arose with the was a police officer that you had hit or something? No, it was or, Rival. Oh, Rival. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so to me, like, you've got a lot of trauma and abuse to unpack. People who've done wrong by you, a lot of wrong, you know, biological parents, but also the foster families that you, like, lived with. And then, you, but, you know, I think you, you aptly 
recognized something or you said something that it sounds like you recognized, okay, I have a reason to be upset with these people, but ultimately that's not going to help me here. I have, (laughs) I have a situation and a cycle that I've got to get, I got to break free of, you know, that I need to, and, and life changes I need to make. And playing the victim or, you know, acknowledging that I've been abused or, you know, been mistreated, that's, that's not going to get me anywhere. So it sounds like you, you reached a point, I guess, at what point were you able to finally unpack and let go of, you said, get closure, like right. get, let go of the trauma and of all the wrong that was done for, you know, done to you. And while also, so there's two things you have to unpack that. And then you've also got life changes. I mean, you're, you're dealing, you've got, you know, some lifestyle things that aren't going well. That's a lot to change to, to unpack the baggage and then to also make, you know, lifestyle changes. So like, how did you accomplish those two things? It was a fight in itself, honestly. Um, and, and to, <clears throat> in light of what you're saying is I had trust issues. I would assume so. <laughs> the people I that I trusted the most, <laughs> the people I trusted the most, especially when it came to the abuse, you know, especially even like I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say it now because I, before I was embarrassed to say it before. I mean, who wouldn't want to talk about, you know, a man actually really assaulting you and raping you and saying, oh, it's okay, you know, it'd be good, you know. Um, it's... Ultimate, you you trust. I trust in you because I thought at that time, like, hey, I'm a kid. I'm doing what I'm told. You know what I'm saying? And um, and, and this is is this what I'm supposed to be doing? You know? Or or the it was just a confusing time where I shut down for so long. So in order for me to unload the package and wrap it up, and I had to deal with that ultimately. And a lot of that I'll get into when I got into my sports because it ultimately helped yeah. mm. close that package. Mm. Um, greed. I mean, love that greed. Oh, we love you. We'll take care of you. But what did they get every month? Money. Got a check. Check. Got a paycheck. <laughs> and was I going to the school in the best fit clothes? No. Sure. Uh, was I going to field trips with all the kids? No. Was I bringing a dish to the table like everybody else? So all he does is eat here and he doesn't bring nothing to our parties. And, you know, I mean... Um, be made fun of because your hair was long you know people just pantsing me and being bullied like I mean like you just deal with all kinds of stuff just growing up so you're dealing with the aspects of that so love that agreed trust issues I say ultimately the whole thing I say like the, the, like the seven daily sins you know like you just ultimately just dealing with a lot of people sinning so um, fast forward uh, still 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 dealing with, and what ultimately what led me to changing my life around, it was enough was enough was, it was my son in the glass mirror, you know, and I ultimately ran. I mean, I started building my life for my kid. I started working full time. I started working two jobs. I started, I shut down. Working where? I was working at Mago Auto Body and like rallies. And then I had like the jack of all trades. I'm telling you. Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah. Coming home smelling like a donut. I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't know if you're giving me a hug because of my that's, donut I smell. Like, that's a, that could be a plus sometimes. <laughs> right? Or, or <laughs> So um, I just started working. Instead of hustling, I, came, I became a man. I started becoming a man. I started working, working all hours, working two jobs, just busy providing, you know. What, so when did, the, when did the switch flip? I don't want to 
deal. I don't want to sell. I want to work. When did that, when did that switch flip? Like, this is it. You know what I mean? Ultimately, I didn't want to see my, my, I didn't want to look at my kids through the mirror anymore. So it was the kids. It was the kids. It, it the motivation. It was the kids. It's like, hey, I want to provide for them in an honest way. I want, and I want to be, that, yeah, and I that want to op- be the example for it them. It really gave me that opportunity to say, hey, you know what? This is where you can make your life change. Yeah. If you don't want to be like them or you don't want to be like anybody in your past, this is where you do it. You go out and you prove them wrong. You go out and you prove the system wrong that, because when you, when you have somebody like me, when you go to the, in front of the judge, oh, well, no, we'll see you again. Yeah. Or the lawyer, oh, it, we'll get you off this time, but next time it ain't going to be that. Yeah. Or, um, I like, you know, biological father, I don't, I don't care what you do. You're dead to me. You know, say, so ultimately it's like, you know what? I'm tired of trying to fit into to the world that ultimately says I'm going to fail. And I want to be a part of the world that's actually going to say, hey, you know what? I want to see you succeed. That's, that's interesting because one of, one of the, a lot of people's, not a lot, but some people's driving forces can kind of be what you would think is not. When no one's cheering for you. That's like when I, I'm like, okay, now, now I'm really going to lay it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the best. Like everyone wants you to break. It's like, yeah, nah, let's go. And so, and also that was a switch. So it was my son. My firstborn son is actually what changed. It was like, ultimately, like, I don't want him to have to endure any of anything. Um, I know he made a comment one time. He says, dad, cause I want to be just like you. And that kind of hurt like a little bit. He goes, yeah, cause you're like, cause I, I hold this front where i have to hide everything so i am when i come through the door i'm just like no facial expression no just like this tough you know i call it the turtle because you're hard on the outside but you're soft on the inside (laughs) (laughs) it's my spirit animal (laughs) (laughs) that's good um and he's like i just want to be like you and i told him i had and it was really like i sat down with him i was like you don't you do not want to endure what i had to or see what i had to I go, so I am me because of me. I want you to be you because you're you. Um, so ultimately, like, they were, he, they took to that, so. So working two jobs, and then what? Um, you know, it was all about working two jobs for a while, for a long while. Um, then I was like, you know what? Where, where are we at at this point? 23, 22, 24? Yeah, 23, 24. Okay. 23, 24, um, I started working. I, I shut myself. So the best thing they say you can do is shut yourself from the things that draw you. Did you so, finish your high school degree or no? No. Wow. Uh, I didn't graduate. Uh, I didn't actually graduate until I was like 27, 29, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, I actually went to MA school at 25, 24. It was like I was finally like, you know what, I'm going to go do something. You know, um, it's like medical assistant. A lot of people are like, what, medical assistant? Like, really? Like, who? <laughs> I don't see you as a medical, like somebody in the medical field. So, yeah, I went to medical school, ILT right down the street. Uh, I graduated from there um, after a hardship because one of my cousins, he, he passed away. He was murdered out on Belmont. Mm-hmm. So, I took a small break. Um, I ended up graduating from there. Um, I ended up graduating from there, and I, I got right into a job. So, with me being uh, a hardworking person as I was and ultimately changing my and, and let me tell you. My past didn't stop haunting me. If you, if people thought like, hey, you know what, you got away from that? No, my past haunted me all the way up into years, like years. I'm 41 now, and it still haunts me sure. to this day. Uh, I got hired right here at Cancer Care Associates when it was right down the street. Mm-hmm. I, then that's when I first got my first different of perspective of life. 
you know, you're dealing with your life, you're dealing with everything that I've been through, and then now you're dealing with people with people who are ultimately fighting for their lives. So you're, I'm just like, wow, like, you know, every day they come here for treatment, uh, every day they're looking for a hope of life, you know, like- Cancer patients. Yes, cancer patients. Um, and so and when they would come in, they would share their stories with me of how, like, they're struggling with me being by themselves. Some family members are there. Some family members are just being there because they're obligated to be there. And so it just gave me a whole different perspective of life. Um, it's interesting to see everyone else's stories, isn't it? Yes. You just you, you would not expect 99% of what you're about to hear. from. That's like my favorite part about working with people is you, you don't know where they're coming from. And it really gives you like a really good perception on why people see things differently. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and I'm not going to lie. That was my first, um, I think that was like 2009. That was my first uh, time I ever knew about running, honestly. Um, the, it was a Dr. Moffitt that was there. And I remember one of the other medical assistants comes up and she says, David, Dr. Moffitt is getting a team together. Like, I said, what do you mean a team? He's like, yeah, we're going to run two cities. Knew nothing. Oh, nothing is. about running. <laughs> I was like, what? So, you know, here I go. I was a major cigarette smoker. I was like, man, Perfect. right? Working in the cancer ward and, and smoking cigarettes, like go <laughs> hand in hand, right? So I'm like, man, right? So I ultimately do a first, it was a cervical cancer run. Hmm. And I'm struggling. I seen photos to this day and I'm just like trucking along, heavy set. I'm just like uh, breathing really hard. I'm like, whoo, this is work, you know? So I'm like, okay, you know, I got this, right? I ended up finishing. I, I remember that I was hurting. Like Laser. a 5K or something <laughs> like that? Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and I thought Perfect. I was doing pretty good. And I hear people zoom, zoom, you know? Yeah. I'm like, man. I mean, I was like, but I, after that first 5K, it was a cervical cancer runner. Down in, uh, I think it's now what is um, it's kind of right there about the 168, that little area. Yeah, where the parks are. Clovis, yeah, like that Clovis area, 168 yeah. area. Yeah. Um, I remember <laughs> it was out there. And I was like, wait a minute. I felt a sense of ease when I ran should I say? And so um, then they're all like, hey, we're gonna do two cities. And I'm like, okay, I can do this, do nothing. Still don't know nothing about running, nothing. <laughs> I'm like, I still, running down the street, I thought I was running quick, you know? I was like, oh, I'm running fast. <laughs> I thought I was like, one block to the next block to the next block. And even day I passed by that same area where I started, I'm like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> I thought I was quick. I'm like, no. So, and no watch, didn't know what time or mileage I was doing. I was just going out there and getting it done. Uh, so ultimately, that was 2009. I didn't start picking up anything again until maybe, um, let me see, 2016, 15. Because so I, I was right. going through life there again. Um, I, had, I was married and then got through a divorce and then ended up married again and going through some stuff there and then getting divorced. And that was it for me. Mm, okay. two, two, two failed marriages, I was done. That's it. You know what I'm saying? I got three kids from my That's first ex-wife and I'm good. You know? So you can change your life from this really heavy upbringing and even on the way up, you can still hit a couple of speed bumps. A little huh? speed bumps. Interesting. Little harder little ones. <laughs> Broke my axle a little bit. I'm telling you. Um, so ultimately, I, I started running. So my son tells me, hey dad, um, I don't want you smoking anymore. And you know, stressor. I'm a stressor. So I was smoking a lot. You know? Because I don't want to see, I guess he saw one of those trakes on the show. Oh, TV yeah. Show. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't want to smoke. Those are great at scaring people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? I said, okay, okay. So um, what happens when you drop one, ad one, one habit? You yeah. pick up another. What's so next? I started running. Uh, I remember that first year, I went half marathon crazy. 
I mean, I was going 10 marathons in one year, and I was just I mean, half marathons in one year, and maybe 12 getting in there, and I was still running. Still didn't know. No coach, no nothing. I was just like, I'm just going to go, you know? Then I was like, you know, let me do a full marathon and start doing full marathons. And um, I, and there's a reason why I, and I figured out why I was running so much and why I was doing what I was doing. I started really realizing because ultimately I ended up doing two full Ironmans, 28 half marathons, uh, <laughs> uh, five they call it the Epic Five, which is five Ironmans back-to-back in Hawaii, which came out to like 704 miles. And be clear. So back-to-back meaning Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, no stopping, five full Ironmans in a row. In a row. Now, so I got five hours of sleep in one week. Ugh. And that was on a plane, a ferry boat, and another plane. And it was just like ultimately like, oh, Let's man. Next year. We'll do that next year for sure. Hey, hey. That's the time to do that, right? Tons. Hey, they got a they My got wife a, would love that. <laughs> It was like, oh man, we can get into that in a bit. But, wow. Um, so ended up doing that, um, and I did like ten half Ironmans. So all that was within like maybe seven years oh, of goodness all gracious, all <laughs> right? No coaching and just kind of winging it. And I, was like, no, I was no coaching for a long while. Jeez. And then I ended up connecting with a uh, local uh, here in town uh, by the name of Farron. Yeah, Farron Reed. Farron Reed. Love right? Farron. <laughs> and um, I was his coaching me for a while, and then uh, I ended up uh, just throwing it out there. He didn't want me to do the Epic Five. He says, David, I want you to do five. I can see you doing five Ironmans throughout the year, but not five back-to-back. So hands down was like, no, don't do it. <laughs> uh, but the life in me and the fight in me was like, I got to go that do it. That means I'm going to do it. That means I'm going to do it, right? <laughs> no means yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> So the the question is always like David, why do you do what you do? Why do you endure all that you do? And that's always the question. Always one question is why. And so I, my answer is always the same. It's when I get up to any start line of any race. If I say, Lord, today we are going to pray. For this one testimony alone, the abuse and the victims of that abuse and the violator of that abuse and everybody who was involved in that, we're going to pray for that today. And when I do the, was it the 13.1, the 70.3, when I do that, I pray for myself. I pray for everybody involved. I endure each each of the pain, the suffering, the the dehydrations, the aches, the knees, everything, everything that comes with yeah. Ironman and running, right? And I tell myself, like, even through the middle of the race, like, you got to keep going. You got to keep pushing all the way through. When I get to that finish line, I raise my hands up in victory and says, Lord, that will no longer hold me back. And I release that to you. And that was a lot of races. So I feel at ease. It, it, it gives a new sense to the, I break the chain to the stuff that holds so the me ra- back. the racing unpacked the trauma. Yes. I mean, that, that, was, that, that helped bring the closure. Ultimately, and, yes. And, it, and, it, and it's what helped you feel like, you know, I guess it's almost 
symbolic or metaphorical that like the pain that you were carrying, it's like letting that go and overcoming it. Correct. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I can't think of a better way to do yeah. it. That's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. And sometimes like, even for me, like the pain that I endure, I always tell myself that's what you deserve. Cause look at the lives you affected even when you hurt people. Like you need to take that on. You need to be able to see it through, you know? So it was just kind of, hand in hand for me i think he needs to be a dig athlete oh yeah <laughs> for sure <laughs> jump on <laughs> fit right in so Epic. what's so what's next what's the next races where where you, what's your training currently right now since i had surgery i had a hernia surgery not hey, so long ago hernia buddies <laughs> hey, hey, all right. i knew that would work out sweet yep, it is. don't you love hernias i know i do man i tell you that much right now i'm telling you <laughs> it's a whole nother mental game you tell know? you what because I've, I've run my share of halves, and I've done a half Ironman as well, and, um, you know, full full marathons. I, age just sucks. And, and, and the, the hernia has been, because I'm so, I'm so used to, running's always been there for me, and I, I've also been hooked in it in my own way. And when you get the hernia, and you kind of get, like, derailed from what your normal performance is and what you know and you love, and, like, it's frustrating, but then it's also like, it's like, okay, now, and then you start hearing people like, oh yeah, don't know if you're gonna be able to do it anymore, or probably it's time, and now I'm just looking at them like, okay, now because you just said that also, now I am now I have to be even faster than what I was before. Like that's, that's become my mindset. I'm just like, I'm just like, okay, not only now will I not, not stop running, now I'm going to be faster than I was before just because you said that. I remember the first doctor, the first doctor kind of gave me this Tell little, me about it. this little arm pad and it's like, you know, it might be, I'm just like, don't, no. don't say the rest of what you're going to say. I don't want to hear it because I will figure out a way like, to make this work. And, and I, so right now I'm working for Boston and I'm just like, I tell Sean, I text him every day. It's like, it's Boston or nothing. Boston but it's Boston or nothing. It's Boston or nothing. Like if we have a if we have a day that's a little rougher, and Sean's you know kind of my he's my accountability, he's my coach, and he's rooting me on. It's just like okay, it's Boston or nothing. Like we figured this out, and um, it's freaking hard. Hernias are no joke, dude. And mine you know mine's a sports hernia, but um, but at the end of the day, like okay, if I can overcome a hernia and if I can do this and qualify for Boston, it's like what's next? You know what else? What else can I do? I just, you know, I know I've got more in the tank, yeah, um, but uh, it's, it's definitely, um, it's, it's, so it's created new frustration, but it's added to the motivation. Yes. Like I'm not done. That's right. Don't count <laughs> the ability, me out. The ability to like adapt and coordinate. Like, I mean, we've actually put a lot of well, work the, the in, work, the work, well, it's like you said, I, I mean, I used to be like you, it's like, I just, just train, just run, you know, I, I wasn't wearing a watch really or anything or tracking heart rate and I could just go out and make top five in my age group or whatever. And now the work I have to put in just to perform with the hernia is, and the age is so much more, but it, even though it's a lot more work and more frustrating, it's like, it's that much more rewarding. Mm -hmm. And like, you feel that much more accomplished. It like, is rewarding. I, for sure. I can still get this done and I can still figure it out. And it's like Sean said, it's, I can adapt. Like there's always a way to figure it out. There really is. Um, yes. but, it, but it always takes work. You know, and it takes and it takes it's a plan fun. and it takes work. And if you do it, then you can you, know, you can make it happen. But so what's next for you? What do you you know, you got your hernia, but are you still hoping to come back then? Are you training for another? I was trying race? to do I was trying to do a comeback tour. Yeah, this, I was, I was shooting. <laughs> Those are the best ones. Well, right. You um, need, see, I, I just now I won't even accept a no. I mean, he's coming back from he just had his femur shaved. I, I had my hernia 
And I, I think <laughs> my I, feet I, are I, 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 I think that I sounds so intense, right? I, I think that you, I think that you're just gonna have to come with us on our on our dig to tour Woodlands. Of, to the of, Woodlands. You've done We're, Texas, haven't you? I've done Texas. He's done Woodlands. We, hey, we, those winds. Yeah. Uh, but we right now we uh you know we do our track Wednesdays and we do our our uh, long rides on Saturdays and so. It'd be, um, but we're all working right now toward, I'm doing Boston, Sean's working toward Woodlands, and if I'm feeling good enough, I think Sean will probably suck me in, at least for the half, if not, if I can feel ambitious enough, I'll go for the full, but um, I I might try to join him also for that too, but he might, he might have to get on board with our, with our dig crew, I don't know, we'll see if we can persuade you. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, go, no, go, no go ahead. Go, go. I was just saying, I love the, you know, you've shared a ton of stuff, right? Um, some of the similarities that I see, we're all, the, I mean, we're all pretty similar here in terms of what we do. Um, I'm big on dark places to see the light, but not just see the light, but help others understand that if you're in dark places, there's always light. There's a way we can adapt. There's a way to find it. It doesn't mean it's fair. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean that it's going to be, you know, quickly approached. It's, it's not going to happen that way. But, um, that, you know, you, you put, out of suffering have emerged the strongest souls. The most massive characters are seared with scars. Like, I love my scars. It's taken me a while to get there because, listen, I, I'm content with my life. I'm happy. I've got a lot going for me, and I love it. Um, we've got a lot going. We've got we've got all kinds of good stuff. In, but let me tell you, and we've talked about this before. There are speed bumps everywhere, mm-hmm. and you, they're coming. It's not it's not if it's when, when they're they coming. Come. And I've learned over um, you know the past few years alone that when you make mistakes and you're like really heavy, you know, ridden in your in your in your life path, and and you mess something up, there are ways to look back at your decisions and appreciate those scars. I yeah. love my scars. They're awesome. You know, um, yeah, that, I love that. That was my favorite part that you wrote. And something I've, <clears throat> you know, you said enough is enough. Uh, that resonates with, with me. Um, I, you know, I think everyone's been abused in some way by someone in a different form or fashion. You're, I mean, yours is, I mean, that's certainly, I'm, I'm not trying to compare. That's, yeah. that's an intense journey. I work I mean, with Aaron every day. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Um, but I mean, having dealt with, you know, in my business career and, and other things, you know, I've, I've certainly dealt with abusive people. Um, and, you know, I can appreciate and relate to, you know, it's unfortunate that some people don't know when to say, you know, enough is enough. And they just think that I, I always have to tolerate you know, someone like this somewhere, wherever I go, uh, actually, uh, no, uh, no, you don't. No. <laughs> um, you can always, you know, um, go somewhere else, seek out a new opportunity. I mean, we are, you know, you're, you're free to choose, you know, your path. All right. And sometimes you do hit, you know, that point where you just need to say uh, enough, you know, and, and we've discussed on this show, you know, whether it's cutting somebody out of your life that you need to cut out, you know, if you need to get into a different, you know, living situation or work situation. Um, I, I like that, you know, you, like you said, uh, enough is enough. And sometimes that's, that's what you just need to do. And you just need to, without hesitation, create a new situation and find, put yourself in a different, you know, uh, environment. And I like what your follow up was to that. If I caught it right was, 
you were kind of sick of the people that were putting you down or telling you no, that you can't, you can't do this or you can't make this of yourself, and you wanted to seek out the ones that were going to positively reinforce you. And um, it's a small, I, I, small circle. I <laughs> well, Sean, Sean and I have talked about that a few that's times. That's like the motto: shrink your on, circle on this up podcast. The value. And I don't know if it's just that people think it makes you an unpleasant or like it's like I just have to get along with everyone I have to you know I have to include everyone in my life well once again uh, no you don't (laughs) actually and and I would even argue that if you do you you will keep people in your life that will hold you back that will you know be naysayers that will be negative or not build you up and you know it's okay to to find ways to get those people out of your life and surround yourself with people that will you know, uh, pull for you, root for you, hold you accountable. Um, but that like, Hey, if that, you know, I, I want to be a medical assistant. Oh, great, bro. Go be a medical assistant. You know, that that's good for you. You know, Hey, Oh, Hey, I want to go do, I want to get into running. Awesome. Go do running, you know? And I, so I think that it's, it's funny. Those two things like kind of go hand in hand. It's like what, when you realize that I need to make a change or get certain people or certain things out of my life, I actually believe in my experience that most people don't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're used to whether it's the same old friends or same old people or, you know, same old situation. There's comfort in that, I mm-hmm. guess. And there's, they don't like the unknown or whatever, but you know, I've, I've left some difficult situations similar, you know, where, um, I wasn't sure how I was going to provide for my family next or what the next move entailed. I only, I only knew that I had to make a change. Mm-hmm. And, some t- and sometimes, in some cases, where God spoke to me, I knew specifics of where I needed to go, but I didn't know why. Right. And, um, you know, sometimes you just got to recognize that enough is enough, and um, it's going to work out at the next place. And when I've, whenever I've followed that, much like you, um, it's always been, I've never regretted that decision. It's always, now it's never been an easy decision. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's often a difficult one, having to create new circle of friends or, you know, move to a new place or, you know, pursue this new opportunity. But I've always been grateful and been bettered, you know, when right. I've made that hard decision. And I, that's, I think I see that a lot in, in your story, um, which I, which I really appreciate. So ultimately, I mean, um, the last event I did was 704 miles. Um, before I even started that one, a lot of people were like, you know, I was representing USA, California. And a lot of people were like, thinking I was doing this for this like fame and up there and you know, but not, nobody really realized was, that was me putting everything into one shoe. One race, 704, me and my God, and get it done. A lot of people think that that was for that, but for me it was the rebuild me. Put it all together, and just be who be a new me at the end of that whole thing. Um, so I, what's next for me? And it's like, can anything really compare? You know. So um, I feel like the next calling for me is it's called, it's called the Uberman. It's down in um, Santa Catalina Islands, swimming from Catalina Islands down to LA, oh twenty-one miles gosh. of swimming. <laughs> <laughs> swimming's definitely not. I mean, I like uh, swimming, but like the endurance swimming's uh, not my jam if it's outside of an Ironman. Wow. And then followed by 400 miles through the nice little Hills of Angels and then down into the Death Valley and then running up Mount Whitney. 
I'm an intensive care tech with pediatrics intensive care with the babies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, and I also coach and mentor uh, elementary school kids oh, in cool. sports and behavioral. Okay. So. Very cool. Well, so you got it going. Got it going. Good stuff. I mean, you, yeah, sounds like you've got a good purpose and renewed purpose and, um, you know, and that's for that next race. I mean,